What kind of stuff do we have this week? Well, abortion is in the news, and Republican politicians across America have said, now is the time to stand up and be completely silent. Does living in Africa make a Greek person black? Well, what if they died 2,000 years ago and they're super famous? And we'd all rather have a living son than a dead daughter. But would you rather have your kid be transgender or play tackle football? Well, that's the kind of stuff that's coming up on this episode of the Anti-Woke Podcast. The Biden administration and the EPA are changing some rules to force car manufacturers to make electric vehicles. And this is not how they're doing it, but the idea kind of is like, let's say you make a car that gets 50 miles to the gallon. Well, then they change the rules and they say your average car needs to get 100 miles to the gallon. And so then what you do is you make one electric car and one car that gets 50 miles to the gallon. And now the average is 100 miles to the gallon of gasoline. So basically you have to make electric cars to dilute or whatever the average gas mileage. And the car manufacturers support these new rules. So, I mean, there's no one to fight it. Something like this is going to happen. And the average car today is 48,000, and the average electric car is 59,000 or something. So that's the issue. Electric cars are expensive. If you were planning on buying a brand new cheap car for $20,000, that may be out the window. It doesn't go into effect until 2032, so they got like eight years. So, you know, maybe electric cars will be cheap in eight years. And the government is subsidizing this stuff crazy style. Uh, I think right now if you buy an electric car, you get $7,500 off your taxes. So, you know, basically rich people. Once again, Biden giving money to rich people. And the thing about cars that people buy, like, you know, why they cost 50 grand? uh, It's because they're not cars, they're trucks. And the EPA has different rules. They have light duty and heavy duty gas mileage rules. And so... I think if you're over if you're over 8,500 pounds, then you're a heavy-duty vehicle, and so you know GM, Ford, Dodge, they just make sure that their trucks weigh over 8,500 pounds, and then they can all be as big a gas guzzler as you want, which is what people want. It's awesome, and they're barely coming out with uh, electric trucks, but Ford has the e uh, the Ford Lightning, which is their uh, electric truck, and I looked it up. It costs twenty thousand dollars more than normal. So basically, if electric vehicles get cheap and they can, and you can have a giant truck that's electric, I mean, a giant electric truck is better than a normal truck, and all that can happen in eight years, then people will be happy and it's fine. And if the make vehicle manufacturers and the charging network, like, I got an electric vehicle, but I got nowhere to charge it because the lines are three hours long, if that happens, then EPA will probably just have to change their rules and say, you know what, 2032 is not happening, how about 2040? Or maybe they go through with it and every poor person just has to quit their job and stay home and stop driving or everyone has to drive a used car. But here's the part that will be interesting and it won't happen for many years is like, you know, right now people are like, I don't want a crappy car. Oh, I can buy a truck that's big gas guzzler and it's awesome. Sweet. So there was that workaround. Right now you can get as, you know, you can put as much batteries into your vehicle as you want. You can have a thousand horsepower you know, you can have a car that's faster than a dragster, and a, you know, and it's a minivan at the same time. So what the government has not done is say, you got to have 
small, light, shitty electric vehicle cars. You know, your battery can only be so big, right? That's kind of the equivalent of gas mileage. Because all the electrons that go into your car are probably made at a natural gas plant down the street. So you're still putting CO2 into the atmosphere. And so if the EPA starts saying limiting battery size, then people will get pissed off. This week in white crime coverage. This week in white crime coverage. Some guy who worked at a bank went postal. I think he killed five and then the cops killed him in Louisville, Kentucky. And he listed his pronouns as he, him on LinkedIn or something. And people on Twitter were trying to start a hashtag, another Democrat, as in Democrats are committing all the mass shootings. I don't think any of that is sticking. Basically, we got a, we got a white guy who did a mass shooting. The motive seems to be pretty simple. He didn't like his job or his co-workers. And I guess he streamed the whole thing on, I don't know, Instagram maybe? He was a younger white man. I mean, it sounds like he is aware of the Christchurch, New Zealand mosque shooting where the guy streamed it on the internet and I don't know how many Muslims he killed. A bunch. Maybe 50. But, you know, that the, the New Zealand guy had a big old white nationalism thing. I don't think there's anything going on with this guy other than monkey see, monkey do when it comes to mass shootings. And I'm not sure about this. I'm just going to go with my faulty memory. But I think that means we got two Asian, two black, although we got an update, and then two white out of the six last mass shootings. Oh, and a trans woman, a trans man. So NBC Nightly News covered the mass shooting pretty well. I mean, he killed five. There's this theory, that's not my theory, that you got to kill ten. You know, unless it's a school or something, or a gay club. You got to kill ten to make the news. But this one made the news just fine at five. I don't know if it's because he's white. Oh, yeah. So NBC Nightly News, you know, did some clips. They always have, the police always have like a press conference when these things happen. And so the police chief or interim police chief of Louisville is a black woman. And she said the shooter was a white male. So, you know, it may be that the police chief always gives a description of the shooter and the media just doesn't. Well, if it's black, they don't include that little part of the clip. I guess if it's Asian, they do if it because they're white adjacent. And if it's white, they do. So anyways, just to get, it's been so long since they had a white male do a shooting. I was like, are they going to withhold the race like they're doing for these other ones? And the answer was no. And then the media moved on. So that was that was that one. I mean, what they moved on to was the leaked documents. I'll talk about that somewhere else. But that was a white male. I think people like that. A young gamer. They love that shit. But there was another kind of mass shooting. Um, it was at a funeral. I think one dead, three shots. Don't know what happened to the shooter or shooters. But I broke down mass shootings the other week, and it was like 2 or 3% happen at like funerals and wakes. And basically, that's a, that's a black type of mass shooting that, you, that doesn't normally get into the news. But NBC Nightly News mentioned this one on one night. You know, they didn't go into it a lot. They didn't show pictures of the perpetrator, so you were left 
I guess, I guess, you know, the average American who watched that was like, that's weird. A shooting at a funeral. They don't know. Oh, that's, that's the thing where you, you know, the black, young black men, they kill someone and they would like to kill the friends of the person they killed. So then they go to the funeral where, of that person that they killed and then they start shooting those people up. And so the thing to watch is shootings at funerals. Is that, is, you know, just that. Is, that, is it like, like a shooting at a school? If it's a shooting at a school, that's a big news item. Is it going to be the case that shooting at funerals are just automatically considered big news items? We shall see. Right as I was about to publish this podcast, I watched NBC Nightly News and there was two more mass shootings on Saturday. Four killed in Alabama, two in Kentucky. Um, we don't know the race of the shooters, but everyone involved, the neighborhood, etc., the interviewed people uh, were all black. And then Meet the Press, which is NBC's political show, they did a segment on kids being killed by gun violence and the race of those kids, and they were overwhelmingly black. Black kids die by murder with guns, and then white kids die by suicide with guns. And I think black kids, they are 10 times or slightly more, 10 times as likely as white kids to be murdered with a gun. And then they were 20 or 40 times as likely to be killed by a gun than Asian kids. Finns, the people who live in Finland, were found to be the happiest people on earth again. I guess they're usually found that way. And they kind of define happiness different than maybe some or a lot of Americans. You know, it's not about a big house and a fast car and fucking bitches and drinking fancy alcohol. It's more like a calm morning where you drink your coffee. And Finns are stoic. They don't smile a ton. They're not super exuberant. And depending on the narrative you want to fit everything into, you could say, you know, Finland has free healthcare, free college, you know, a lot of socialism. And you could say that's what makes them happy. Or you could say it's they're a homogenous group, which was, you know, they were raised right. They don't commit crime and they work hard. And of course, being tall and good looking doesn't hurt. I mean, basically, it's going to be hard for other countries to replicate what they have. Because the answer would be like, okay, you just take fin- Finnish people, you put them far, far to the north where it's cold as hell, and you give them a government that's run perfectly, and all of a sudden you achieve happiness. So, you know, obviously that's going to be a hard-to-implement plan for Africa or, hell, even America. And so I'm listening to this be discussed on the latest Left, Right, and Center podcast. And his theory on why Finland is happier than America, he mentions that it's homogenous. So, I mean, everyone knows that part. But he says it's, his theory is that it's because in America, people think that they're being cut in, people are cutting in line in front of them. And I would say, for instance, blacks, I mean, Asians and Hispanics have cut in line in front of them. And with this diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff, I think white people can say uh, people are cutting in line in front of them. And I guess I should look up if Asians or Hispanics are happy. Maybe they're happy. 
Maybe if you're cutting in line, you're happy. Or maybe that doesn't make you happy either. And that stuff only matters if line cutting or the feeling of it is actually what causes us to be less happy than them. And apparently, you know, in Finland, they got Netflix now. They got Facebook or whatever. And so they may be trying to keep it up with the Kardashians or whatever. They may, they may not be as happy here shortly. And I look up some demographics. Um, like 1% of Finland is black. I think a few percent, small, very small amount. At least, you know, compared to the diversity in America, it's all very small. They're like 90, 95% white in Finland. They got a lot of Russians. I think they got, I think they got Albanians. I think Albanians take crime wherever they go. There's some Eastern European country that those people move to Britain and just commit a bunch of crime. But they also got a bunch of refugees, I think, from Syria before maybe they stopped letting them in. I can't remember. Finland, Sweden, both, one, the other. But, you know, for people who are not woke, um, Finland kind of became famous as the rape capital of Europe. And that was because they let in a bunch of Muslims who like to rape, along with a bunch of totally innocent Muslims. And it looks like same thing happened with Finland. Something like 2% of Finland is the immigrants, and they commit like 30% of the rapes. And obviously, this is stuff that you will lose your job if you study it. But, um, you know, I think when a Finnish man rapes a woman, it's like, oh, he had sex with her when she was too drunk, which you shouldn't do. But then when, a, you know, recently out of a war-torn part of the Middle East immigrant rapes a woman, it's like, at night with a knife. There's been some abortion court cases going on, mostly over a mifepristone a pill. Most abortions now are done by just taking a pill, and this is one of the, they give you two pills generally, mifepristone, misoprostol, and mifepristone, I think, detaches the fetus from the uterus or something, and then misoprostol finishes the job by uh, causing a uh, miscarriage. So you can just do the miscarriage and have an abortion, but mifepristone makes you, it reduces the cramps, makes it more comfortable. So a Texas conservative judge said that the FDA messed up when they said mifepristone should be allowed to, for people to take. They did that 20 years ago. And then, and that was the federal appeals court level, right below the Supreme, uh, no. That was a normal judge. And then a judge in Washington said, everyone gets, everyone gets their mifepristone. One guy said no, one guy said yes. It went to the appeals court in Texas, which is the one level below the Supreme Court. They said, okay, you can use them, but only according to the 20 year ago rule, because in the last few years, like the pandemic, they said, instead of a seven week limit, you can do it at 10 weeks pregnancy and the part that I think is important, you can send it through the mail. So basically they said, you gotta go to the doctor to get this stuff in person. But then before, the, and none of these things have gone into effect. Uh, everyone's like, okay, here's my ruling, but you got seven days before it goes into effect. And anyway, so that each, each of those things has happened. And now the Supreme Court has said, hold off, don't do anything, we're gonna look at it. Supposedly early this coming week. And so I'm not getting worked up until we hear what the next shoe to drop is. Um, 
pro-abortion rights people are getting worked up, obviously. Anti-abortion rights people are generally keeping mum, you know, like politicians, they're keeping mum on the word. If you're a Republican politician, you're like, now is the time to be very, very silent. Because, whatever, you know, whatever it is, 60% of America is pro-abortion rights, and you don't want to lose your job. But the thing to keep an eye on is the can you send it through the mail. Can California send abortion drugs to all, you know, to every woman in America, thereby getting around the fact that uh, states can now outlaw abortion? Like, you know, you can outlaw that thing that can't be outlawed because you send it through the mail. And the FDA approved it for going through the mail under an emergency order related to the pandemic, how you couldn't go to the hospital. So the emergency's over. So, you know, the courts, basically, it's not your normal FDA approval. The courts can say, emergency's over. You can't do that. And then maybe, well, then who knows what happens next. So the two black legislators that were kind of leading an anti-gun protest in the Tennessee State House building, you know, yelling through a megaphone. It looks like they're going to get their seats back shortly. They get them back temporarily, and then they get to go before a special election, which I think they both come from black areas, so they'll be back in there. And the mainstream media, they enjoyed this story. They got to call America racist, which, you know, if they can, if they can just do that, then that's a good day. But it was also fun for right-wing media. They got to say that the anti-gun protesters stormed the legislator building. And what they did was an insurrection. And I don't know if, I think the mainstream media is ignoring that so far. But maybe they'll, maybe they'll take the bait on those things and be like, don't you know about the history of slavery? Or wait, oh wait, sorry, that's not the one. What you're doing is going to get trans kids to commit suicide. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, that's the wrong one, too. You are a threat to democracy. There we go. That's the one you're doing. Basically, it seems like there may be some sort of double standard about who gets to interrupt a legislative body when they're doing their legislating. Little update on the Tennessee protest. One of the two black guys turns out to be a Black Lives Matter protester. There's video of him jumping on a cop car and kind of attacking someone with a traffic cone. Because this weird thing they used to do at the Black Lives Matter protest riots, where if you were in a car, then I guess you were racist and you needed to be attacked by the crowd. So anyways, he was doing some of that. Him and the crowd were kind of getting around a car, like, you know, what the hell are they gonna do? They're gonna pull me out and get my brains on the outside of my skull using a brick? Anyway, so the car kind of kept going. It didn't run anyone over, but kept going slowly trying to get through the crowd and uh he grabbed a traffic cone and like started hitting the guy or girl through the window of the car the down window and apparently he had a kind of a he'd been disrupting the assembly for years uh before he became a member of it like he had previously thrown hot coffee on the speaker of the house tennessee whatever i think before he got elected i think they were like Oh, you threw hot coffee on the Republicans. We like you, sir, his voters said. And then the other black guy, he's weird. He's, there's videos of him like back in college, and he speaks like a nerd. He's like, oh, E equals MC squared. And he has a kind of voice like that. And now there's videos of him like 
whatever, preaching or giving a speech. And he's like, from heroes to Negroes. And he's picked up like a Martin Luther King accent. So not much on the front lines in Ukraine. There was these top secret documents that got leaked by a 21-year-old Air Force Guard kid. I think he's ruined his life. The media is real interested. They're not interested in the secrets that were revealed that make America look bad or the Ukraine look bad or whatever. Um, They're very interested in this white gamer who might have been a hardcore Catholic. Well, okay, so this kid, I think he was a Catholic. He liked guns. He liked video games. He had online friends that he would chat with about that stuff, and he wanted to impress them with top-secret documents, and now he's probably going to prison for a long time. His life is ruined. But there is this thing going on with Catholics. I mean, if you ask me about Catholics, I'd be like, those are the ones who are most likely to stop being religious and start supporting abortion. That's kind of your American Catholics. But I've been learning more. There's, There's also some Catholics who are getting more hardcore. And there's something called Latin Mass, which I think... You know, Mass is uh, going to church on Sunday. And then Latin Mass, I believe, is where you do the whole thing in Latin. So you can't understand it. And I think the FBI or whoever, the government, is saying that people who go to Latin Mass, that's a sign that you're a domestic white supremacist terrorist. That's basically all I know. I, you know, I, I don't know if there are Latin Mass people that are online. Well, I mean, there's one guy I know who said he goes to Latin Mass, and he's just a... Well, he's not a terrorist. Let's put it that way. There you go. There's the two things I know. They may Someone's calling them terrorists, and they probably are not. And I think the media is starting to think about running articles saying that they're racist and evil. We'll, we'll wait and see on that. In America, in these documents, America was trying to trick Israel and South Korea into giving... Or selling weapons to Russia, which they don't want to do. Ha ha, I tricked you. Those weapons are going to kill Russians. And I guess the most interesting part is we already knew this. Almost everything everything in this we basically knew. Like, you know, we, we treat our allies like shit and push them around. Uh, surprise, surprise. But Ukraine is kind of running out of anti-air missiles. And the thing is, is like, America gives them some real fancy surface-to-air missiles that'll take out a Russian jet like nobody's business. But the thing is, is Russia has all these drones that are made in Iran, and it flies those in there. And so, like, the missiles that we give them are cost, like, a million dollars or two million dollars, and then the drones that they send over cost 20 grand. So, you know, what co- you know for a million dollars, we can send one missile, and for a million dollars, they can send over 50 drones. Russia is just trying to deplete Ukraine's surface-to-air stockpile. And it seems to be working. I guess in the documents they said they almost ran out, I don't know, the other month. And people think they're still low. Some classified documents found their way onto the internet. I think it was like PowerPoint slides for the Joint Chiefs of Staff or something highfalutin. Mostly about Ukraine, but then... There was other countries mixed in with that. So apparently, super good allies of the United States, South Korea and Israel, they both have rules about not selling weapons to other countries. 
I think Israel wants to be neutral in the Ukraine-Russia thing, or maybe neutral in all things. And then South Korea just has a rule they don't give weapons to anyone if they're going to use those weapons to kill people. And so the papers were talking about what can America do to trick those countries into, uh, you know, getting how, how, how can America get those weapons to Ukraine? And basically, how are you going to trick those countries to get that done? And the papers show that we were spying on, like, the South Korean ambassador or something. Some, some big, big shot in South Korea. And I think every country spies on every other country, friend and foe. But, you know, you don't usually hear specifically about it. Like, they had transcripts of his phone conversations and whatnot. We'll see if South Korea gets pissed. I don't think they have a lot of wiggle room to be mad at us. You know, they don't want to be friends with China. And then, I don't think they had proof, but they just they had a general analysis that the head of Mossad, which is like Israel's version of the CIA, was going against the president over this, you know, these protests they've been having over judicial reform. I talked about it previously. And basically, basically it's the deep state. It's the people, it's the government, you know, the, the government workers who are there, regardless of what administration gets voted in or voted out, um... They got left-wing people over in Israel who are fighting the right-wing government that got voted in. So it's the same thing as uh, America, where the FBI and the CIA and Department of Homeland Security, all of them, were fighting to prevent Trump from getting reelected. So Israel has a similar, a similar thing. And basically, you know, any organization that requires college degrees for people they hire, they're going to end up full of left-wing people. And if you can get them to think that Trump or Netanyahu is the next Hitler, then they're going to not do their jobs. They're going to go against their orders. And if it becomes popular amongst left-wing people to be racist against whites and supporting foreign wars, then you're going to have a government full of racist warmongers. And then there's something going on with the dollar, de-dollarization that I don't know a ton about, but I'm interested in. So this past week, Brazil and China said they're not gonna trade with each other using the dollar. They're gonna use their own currencies, uh, the real and the yuan. And basically, America controls the dollar, and it controls the worldwide banking system, and the world uses the dollar. Like, you know, when two countries trade, they convert it, you know, they convert their thing into dollars, and then the dollars get converted into the receiving countries. Thing. It goes back, anyways, dollars in the middle of, like, international trade. And then when the Ukraine war started, America froze the bank accounts, basically took all the money, all the dollars that Russia had. Every country stockpiles dollars because you need them for trading. And we said, Russia, you've been bad, and we took away all their money. I think $300 billion. And then countries around the world, they didn't say, hey, I always trust America to do what's right. So therefore, it's great that they took away this country's money. Countries around the world were like, oh shit, they took away Russia's money. If, you know, if they get a wild hair, they could take away our money. And so allies, you know, like India, obviously China, now Brazil, uh, Saudi Arabia normally only sells its oil uh, in dollars, but they're thinking about maybe using some other currencies, like the Chinese one. But, so it hasn't happened yet, and I think, you know, I think countries that don't like America, 
Basically, countries that don't like America have wished there was an alternative to the dollar for a long time. But now, like India and Brazil, countries that do like America, supposedly, are like not so fond of the dollar. And so we'll see if this goes anywhere. But having the dollar be the reserve currency, that's the term, for the world, what it means is that we can borrow, our government can spend money like a drunken sailor, and what, the, what happens when we spend too much money is it screws up the other countries. So I think we just spent like $6 trillion that we didn't have, you know, for the pandemic. And basically what that does is it creates inflation in all the poor, you know, especially the poor countries all across the world. We can outsource or offshore or whatever our economic problems and force it onto other countries. And so a lot of countries don't like getting screwed over, you know. You know, the, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Uh, so the word for it is de-dollarization, and it's something I'm keeping an eye on, and economics is complicated, but there you go. Now you have a clue, just like I do. No more. I've got a theory that, for woke people, transes are the new blacks. And basically, college-educated white people, they used Black Lives Matter to make themselves feel good. Basically, you would think you're a good person if you're making accusations of racism, you know, luckily enough, against your political enemies, and you're helping, you know, black people. Black people you don't know. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to live in a neighborhood with black people, but the idea of black people. You're attacking the idea of the racist people on the right that you hate, and you're helping the idea of the black people that you don't know. But now that black-on-black -black murder has shot through the roof since woke people helped the black the blacks so much, the big blue cities are all shitholes. Uh, anyways, it's time to move on. And I don't know. There was like there was some anti-gun protests. I mean, it almost looked like they could riot, except for it was like a bunch of teenage white girls. So I'm keeping an eye, an eye on the possibility that anti-gun stuff could. Possibly, possibly take over, but I think it's it's help you know it's helping the transes. It's being a transgender activist or ally, and so I've kind of gone looking for evidence that I'm right. And I will admit, you know, just, me just like everyone, you know, you don't people don't spend a ton of time looking for evidence that they're wrong. And so I started by going on uh, Google Trends, trends.google.com which basically gives you a graph of how much people have been searching for, you know, whatever word or phrase over the years. And I was trying, you know, Black Lives Matter versus transphobia, but neither of those things were actually words before, you know, recently. So I went with racism and transgender. And basically the biggest spike on the whole, you know, this is over, I don't know, I think you can only look at the last 14 years or something. But the biggest spike out of all of it was, you know, the summer of George Floyd. Racism shoots through the roof, dwarfs any other, well, dwarfs any other time that people were talking about racism, and dwarfs transgender. Sort of. So that racism spike lasted maybe a few months, less than a year. And anyways, transgender right now is going through a spike. Like, we haven't, we haven't hit the top of it. Maybe it can get as big as racism got during 2020 George Floyd. 
But basically, both those terms just kind of float along at the same low level. Then racism shoots through the roof, or, roof in 2020, and then transgender shoots through the roof right now. Oh, and transgender, people searching for that term, it got quite a bit bigger in, starting in 2015. I mean, there are articles talking about how 2015 is the year of transgender. Um, Obama said the word transgender, first time a president ever did that. Um, there was a transgender actor, actress who got a big job. There was a TV show that was about a trans guy. I was not entirely convinced that those things were why transgender blew up in 2015. But for whatever reason, it did. People were going to the internet wanting to read about it. Compared to pre-2015, and nothing like today. And then, it's kind of like when you buy a certain car, you start seeing it all over the place. Um, anyways, I just, just today I learned about how in Chicago, they're closing down half their Walmarts. And if you recall, in 2020, during the uh, George Floyd riots, um, I think one Walmart got completely burned to the ground, and they just closed all of them temporarily because it wasn't safe. And then I think a, a number of companies did this, but anyways, Walmart was like, yes, we've heard of slavery, we're going to do something about racial justice. And so Walmart like pledged to build more stores and black neighborhoods and whatever, to do all sorts of stuff to help black people. And they, they set aside $100 million to do whatever it is that they did. But anyways, they are now closing half their Walmarts because I think too much crime, too much theft, you know, the cops don't, don't put the thieves in jail, so the thieves just steal more. And it seems to be the, I'm sure some of the Walmarts are in, you know, Asian or something neighborhoods and they're not close they're not closing that one but uh anyways it seems like they're closing basically the black Walmarts I mean I will say it's a little hard to tell because companies are also closing stores because of the homeless like they closed the Walmarts in Portland Oregon I think whatever I think that's a uh, it was white people it was white thieves and homeless and they just closed an extra large Whole Foods in San Francisco had been open for about a year, and then they're like, uh, this is too much of a shithole. Starbucks has been closing places kind of across the country here and there. Actually, okay, I'm kind of convincing myself. They're not closing stores in black neighborhoods, necessarily, but they're no longer upholding their racial justice ideas from 2020. So yeah, they've moved on. And I'm sure... You know, there's a disproportionate impact of some. I saw I saw an article or news clip uh, the other day about Dollar General. Like I've seen these, they've been talking about this for a long time. How Dollar General goes into rural areas, opens up a store next to the grocery, local grocery store that's been there for decades, and then basically that puts the rural grocery store out of business. And basically, it was poor white people who were losing their grocery store. But, I don't know, someone decided, they're like, hey, you know, I bet there are rural black people out there somewhere that have their grocery store put out of business by a Dollar General, too. So this whole thing, they're like, people, you know, it's the, it's the classic uh, asteroid des destroys Earth. Women and people of color hurt the worst. So anyways, they just repurposed the whole Dollar General store and then made it a racial thing. 
the plot has thickened on the transgender influencer that Bud Light has been using to promote their beer. And I think I may have said some stuff that wasn't true last week. So Dylan Mulvaney, this trans woman, she got famous on TikTok because she did a, every day she did a video saying like, first day of woman, uh, first day of girlhood. She said she was a girl. And maybe when she started taking drugs or whatever it was, uh, she did a video each day, second day of girlhood, etc. And so after 365 days, Bud Light sent her some Bud Light cans that had her face on them. And this all coincided with the NCAA March Madness um, basketball games. I think it was for to promote the men's or maybe basketball games in general. If you like basketball, drink some Bud Light. And so I thought you could buy these cans with the trans face on them, but you couldn't. They just, they just made a case of them, 12 of them or something like that, and sent them to the influencer so she could make videos about them, but you couldn't buy these things. And so people who didn't like that started making TikTok videos of throwing Bud Light cans in the trash and stuff like that, and Kid, Kid Rock shot him with a gun. And so I was saying it's going to take months to find out if, you know, people are drinking less Bud Light. Um, there's maybe a better way of looking at it, which is the InBev, which owns Anheuser-Busch, which owns Bud. Uh, you can look at their stock price, and it hasn't done anything crazy. It's maybe down a little bit, but, you know, it goes up and down every day. So nothing crazy has happened so far. And so this whole situation, it's not really about Bud Light. It's about the fact that all the corporations in America have gone woke. And can they just go woke against basically the wishes of a large chunk of their consumers? And so people getting outraged, there was at least some success. I think, I think if this is all there is to it, it's actually pretty, pretty good. But um, the Bud Light Twitter account and maybe the InBev or Anheuser-Busch or all of them, all their official Twitter accounts, they've gone silent since the controversy. Like Bud Light, you know, the official at Bud Light on Twitter was posting a few things a day, you know, hey, have a Bud Light with the Lakers versus the Celtics tonight. Stuff like that. But they know, you know, that whatever. They're afraid to talk because if they say, hey, have some Bud Light with the game, People are going to be like, why are you, you know, why are you trying to piss off your customer base and promote trans stuff and whatever? So they're just being silent so people can't reply. I mean, they could block everyone on Twitter, but, or go private or something, but they don't want to do that. So basically, you know, it's been a week of silence on social media. And so someone high up in the Bud Light company uh, told their social media people, hey, shut her down. And that's, that's not nothing. That's a reaction. And I think they did say one thing. I don't, know where, I don't know where they said it, but there was a false story that they had fired their whole marketing team over the incident. So they put out a statement saying they had not fired anyone. And then there's a clip that's circulating of the Anheuser-Busch vice president of marketing. It's some lady. And she happened to do an interview for a podcast, like maybe a week before the whole thing blew up. 
And she said that, I guess, you know, the number of people buying Bud Light is going down, down, down. Young people are not buying Bud Light in particular. And she was told that she needed to turn that frown upside down. And so she's like, well, you know, how do you bring in young people? She's like, inclusivity. And this podcast, I mean, it's a video podcast. Um, I went and looked at it on YouTube. I forget what it's called. You can probably find it. But, like, their normal videos get, like, 100 views. Like, it's, it's, it's not famous. They get big business people to come on there. And I don't know if it's, it might be a business, women in business or something. Whatever it is. No one watches it. And so I'm sure this VP of marketing was not expecting, you know, she wasn't on guard and like, oh my God, what if people see what I say here? It just, I think it was, it was not a thing that she was contemplating and probably now wishes she hadn't done it. She said a few other things that are, you know, tone deaf at least. Um, she said that Budweiser, I guess the branding it was fratty, you know, like a frat house. It was fratty and had out-of-date humor. And she wanted to bring in women drinkers. I mean, that was kind of her diagnosis. This, The brand was associated with frat boy-level humor, and that was not bringing in the young people or the women, and the way to fix that was to, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff, basically and hence trans and so this situation irks me you know disney going woke irks me all the all the companies going woke i don't like it and i was trying to think why i mean i was very pro-gay stuff up until just a few years ago and now it's annoying me and so one reason i don't like it it might be that you know teen girls are being told that if they're unhappy with their lives, the solution is become a boy. And that, you know, in the long run or, you know, in a number of years, those teen girls are going to look back and be like, you know, that wasn't good. That messed stuff up. But in fact, I don't really care. I don't, you know, I don't know any teen girls. So if they want to mess, mess up their lives, I don't know. That's not, that's not good. I don't support that. But it's not why I get irked. And then maybe it could be because all these girls, you know, go off and pretend that they're not straight for a while. You know, hold hands, French kiss, possibly muff dive. And this, you know, and everyone that does that, that means there's a boy out there who cannot be in a committed relationship with a girl. And so, you know, a bunch of boys are going to be whatever, watching porn and playing video games and also having bad lives. You know, maybe going out and committing some mass shootings. And, you know, I'm just, I'm not in tune with whatever the hell is going on with young men. I barely know any at all. Uh, anyways, that's also not why I care. And you could come up with a lot of, a lot more stuff like that where it's, where, you know, it's like Black Lives Matter is not good it hurts black people, you know, it really, it really only hurts, you know, it annoys me, but what it does is get black people murdered. But again, that's not really the reason why I'm annoyed by Black Lives Matter. And so I can't mind read what's in this VP of marketing's head. I think I watched, I didn't watch, you know, it's an hour long video. I didn't watch all of it. 
the lady she was talking to and her, apparently they both came from the South. And the lady was like, you know, when I moved to New York and started living in New York, I had to, I don't know, I had to, I had to rethink how I thought about the world. And the VP lady seemed to agree. They didn't go into great detail on it. But here's where I'm going to, you know, I'm going to mind read. Could be totally wrong. But it sounds like, you know, you go off to college, you go to a fancy college, you get a fancy degree, you live in a big blue city and you get woke and you don't like drinking Bud Light, you probably don't like the people who drink Bud Light. Well, okay, here I am. I'm just going to do the mind reading. So I think the VP of marketing, she's doing some mind reading. And so when she okayed this transgender stuff, what she was doing was she was like, and I'm going to do some cussing here, so turn it off if you don't like it. But I think she was like, Fuck Christians, they're all a bunch of fucking bigots. Fuck men, fuck whites, fuck straight people, those three are all a bunch of fucking bigots. In fact, fuck Bud Light drinkers, they're a bunch of fucking bigots. I hope their kids turn trans, I hope it upsets, upsets them a lot, and then I hope they fucking die. Alone. And so, you know, this is based on somewhat my definition of woke, but basically she just thinks all those groups are evil because they're bigoted. You know, she's got no proof. If you ask her what percentage of Republicans, you know, don't, you know, oppose gay marriage. I think now it's over half of them support gay marriage. Anyway, she wouldn't know any stats. She probably, she'd probably be like, oh, well, you know, my family in the South, they don't think that way. But anyways, you know, she, she is mind reading people she doesn't know and thinking they're all bigots. Therefore, she's fighting that bigotry. And then there's something about the human brain as it was designed by evolution over the millennia. And one of the things the human brain does not like, gets riled up about, is false accusations. Apparently over the years there were people who were falsely accused of stuff and they got killed or they were not allowed to marry and pass or something. But anyways, they did not pass on their DNA. So the people who think that false accusations are fine, they didn't have kids and pass on their DNA. And so today we are left with nothing but people who don't like false accusations. And that's me, and that's this podcast. Oh, and I forgot some other data point that shows maybe this boycott is working. The videos of people throwing their Bud Lights in the trash or driving over them with the truck... It seems like those videos got quite popular on TikTok. Now, TikTok is owned by China, so maybe China might have been <laughs> promoting that stuff. They're like, this will really divide America right down the middle and cause them problems. So let's promote those videos, or maybe just organically, they were getting popular. And like, you know, YouTube knows I'm anti-woke, so it gives, you know, it tries and feeds me that kind of stuff. But I don't think TikTok knows much about me. I mean, I like TNA. Dancing. Dancing TNA. Um, anyway, so it seemed like m maybe maybe it was big on TikTok. You know, maybe it's big on Instagram. I, I'm not on there. And other, other websites. Like, I was looking to see if NBC Nightly News and other big outlets were covering this. And it seems like they are not. I mean, generally they're not. I mean, you know, if Bud Light is a major advertiser on your show, you probably do not want to 
tell everyone all about how there's a Bud Light boycott or a possible boycott going on. I mean, a boycott's not going to work if people don't know there's a boycott. And I was thinking it would be nice if there was like a cell phone app that could tell you which product has gotten woke and you could boycott it, you know, just like when you're in the store, maybe you double check and like, oh, Bud Light this week is the, you know, this week we're boycotting Bud Light and next week we're boycotting Disney. But then I realized, of course, Apple and Google would remove those from the app store, so that would not fly. I mean, I'm sure they would allow a left-wing boycott app. And the Bud Light saga continues after, I think, over a week of silence on social media. The Anheuser-Busch Twitter account had the CEO come out and say, sorry, not sorry. Something like, you know, it was a pretty long thing, but he's like, you know, at Anheuser-Busch, we don't want to start arguments. We want to bring people together. And no mention of, wait, why are people arguing? What is possibly not bringing people together? He didn't mention that stuff. And it turns out the Anheuser-Busch CEO, he worked for the CIA for five years. So corporations, government, they're all out to get you. And they are getting you. And, you know, we know that the military is getting real gay and diversity, equity, inclusion, and rainbow flags. And I'm sure the CIA is no different. They had a recent thing where the, I think it was the FBI had a list of words that might make you a domestic terrorist. And it was like red pill, based, I don't know, whatever. Just words that people who are not hardcore lefties say on the internet, which is where they will catch you. So like 10 or 20 years ago, South Park did a routine on transgender athletes. And they had they're like, what if Randy Macho Man Savage, a professional wrestler who's super testosteroneed out, identified as a girl? Here it is. I can't tell you how free I feel now that I've started identifying as a woman. Now that I can compete as female, I'm ready to smash the other girls. And is it correct you just started identifying as female two weeks ago? I'm not here to talk about my transition. I'm here to kick some f***ing ass. Let me tell you something, Dingleberry. David Perry. I'm gonna roll up the other women here, and I'm gonna smoke them. I am the strongest woman this state has ever seen. Any words for the challenger, Miss Woman? Uh, good luck, Heather. <laughs> luck is for dudes. A recent episode of Quillette Magazine was talking about transgender kids. Now, this is a subject where if you try and do impartial research, people will call you a racist and try and get you fired and get your wife to leave you. But some professor from Northwestern University, which, good school, and then some lady professor who did it not under her real name, because she's not an idiot, they did a study using some website called Parents of ROGD Kids. And ROGD stands for Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria. And so I think basically they gave questionnaires for the parents on this website to fill out. And gender dysphoria, that's like the, the real deal kind of transgender stuff that they had, you know, before the last few years where you 
you know, gender dysphoria, like body dysmorphia, I don't know. They got these kind of names, it just, you know, it means you think you're not the gender you are, and you really think it. Your brain is possibly chemically programmed to think it. You're more than just a gay boy or a bisexual girl. And I think if you're woke, you don't like the idea of rapid onset gender dysphoria because that's the thing where, you know, you're, you, got, you got some girl in middle school and all of her friends start saying they're transgender and then all of a sudden she's like, I'm a boy too. And it's like, is this the real kind of thing or is this just a social contagion? I guess rapid onset, it means it comes on quickly. The old school gender dysphoria took a long time or, you know, happened over a lot, you know, you'd like, yeah, when they were four, you could kind of see it coming on. And then when they were seven, boy, it really, you know, it took this turn. And then at 11, it took this other turn. As opposed to this newer thing, you know, where rapid onset, they just, just one day, they've never done nothing strange ever. And then one day they're like, I'm a boy. Or possibly, I need my penis cut off. But so, you know, no one does good research on this stuff. And asking people from a website about their experiences is not, you know, that's not a double-blind, perfect clinical trial. But basically, you take what you can get because people are afraid of losing their jobs, their houses, their families. People are not afraid of pushing a narrative that destroys the lives of children. That's fine, but you don't want to, you don't want to lose your house. Anyways, I'm just going to steal some stats from this podcast and give them to you. So apparently there's two kinds of researchers who are interested in this transgender kid stuff. You got people who study gender and they're the and you know they get the narrative whatever. They believe in the narrative, they help promote the narrative. And then you got people who study sex like not boy versus girl sex but like having sex kind of sex. And they sometimes get results that don't go along with the narrative and people you know and then the woke the woke style researchers don't like them. So there's two kinds of boys that want to be girls, but if you're a woke researcher, you want you, you refuse that and you're like, there's only one kind. There's the kind where there's a girl trapped in a boy's body. But the kind that they deny exists, but from, from what I know, <laughs> you can talk to these people and be like, hell yeah, I exist, I have it. But there's this thing called autogynephilia. And basically what it is, it only happens in boys. There ain't no reverse version for girls. Um, biological boys, biological girls. I'm sure I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to mean biological when I mean not biological. So just read between the lines. But autogynephilia only happens to boys. And what it is is they get a sexual arousal pleasure thing from being a girl. And so this makes me think of a couple cases. I would like to know more. I mean, whatever, I'm not going to read the book, if there is such a thing. But so there's that trans woman swimmer, tall, (laughs) broad-shouldered, muscular (laughs) woman swimmer, who's breaking records. Uh, Leah Thomas, you probably heard of her. Anyways, there was a story that not only would she parade around the locker room naked, you know, but that she would have some extra blood flow in her penis when she did so. And that was college-age girls, and I think the girls would go, like, 
do their changing and stay away from him, like do their changing in the shitter, I don't know. Basically, everyone's afraid to talk. Everyone's afraid to talk on all this stuff. But the other case, where I know there was a man parading around with girls, um, there was a, a Korean spa, anyway, there's some sort of Asian spa chain in California, and the guy said that he was a girl and he would go and he would go to the spa and you know i don't know if he was like keeping an eye on who's going in and go in at the right time but anyways he would go in with you know when there was like 10 year old girls in there and then he would take off his clothes and again he would go around with some sort of erection so you can see if there's two kinds you know there's there's the real girl in a boy's body and then there's someone who just wants to go change in a changing room with 10-year-olds and show them his cock. Uh, anyways, you want to deny that, that that one kind exists because it, it doesn't make the whole transgender thing look good. I decided to look up what Wikipedia says about autogynophilia. As an aside, gyna, G-Y-N, that means... Like vag means woman, gynecologist. I don't know if that's a vagicologist or a woman ecologist. But anyways, Wikipedia goes to great length to get the perspective that you're a racist bigot against trans people if you believe that autogynophilia is a real thing. And the researcher on the podcast, he says that apparently he wrote a book that includes information on that on the subject in 2003 and there's a lot of men who have written to tell them, like hell yeah that you are describing me exactly like you know you kind of have to act or whatever you can speak the truth all day long but until someone who has the the fetish or whatever says yeah i have it then no one will believe you but i guess it's getting more popular with people who have autogynophilia to just say that they have that thing and you know they don't care what that does to the trans movement so, you know, maybe the jury is still out. I mean, all everything about sociology and psychology could be turned on its head at any moment. So the information from this study, it comes from parents who basically don't believe their kids. So that's obviously not an impartial perspective. But rapid onset gender dysphoria, ROGD, ROG, anyways... That term was made up in 2019, so to call it that is a new thing. So now, talking about biological girls from pubescence to young adulthood, I think that's like, I don't know, 12. 12 to uh, when they fly the coop. It seems to have started maybe, it started started blowing up about 10 years ago, so would that be 2013? where these girls are seeking referrals to doctors that will, you know, give them hormones and stuff. But apparently it's been going on to a lesser extent, maybe for 20 years. So in 2003, sometimes the girls are doing a small number of these girls are doing it. And then 2013 on, more of them are doing it. I imagine there is a giant tidal wave of them now. And again, this is coming from parents who don't believe, but um, almost all these girls did not 
were not masculine. They were not masculine girls before they decided they were a boy. They were not, you know, even tomboys or whatever's beyond tomboy. There is a word for what's more masculine than a tomboy, but I forget what it is. And so before it all started 20 years ago, if a girl said she was a boy, she'd be a hyper-masculine girl who, you know, started at a very young age, and she'd be like, I hate, you know, I hate it. I hate my body. I hate being a girl. And they mentioned an anecdote where there was a school, K-12, through where one of the teachers was a trans man, and the kids liked them. And then all of a sudden, about six of the kids were like, I'm a man too. And so the study has a quarter biological males, so it's mostly females, but not all. And there are other things that have happened in the past where, for some reason, it's easier to get girls to make shit up. Like there was this thing in the, I think the 80s and the 90s, where you'd go to a therapist and discover new memories of being molested by your dad or uncle or family. I think they called it repressed memories. And for whatever reason, men did not all of a sudden discover that they were repressing memories of being molested by their dad, but women did. And then I think they, whatever, it, 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 there were some like ridiculous examples. There's a famous one where like, I don't know if it's one, one or more girls was like, I was part of a satanic sex cult and, you know, they'd take me to a cave and 20 people would like, you know, rape me or something. And it made a big headline, like, wow, this is crazy. America has these satanic sex cults. And then they're like, you know what? Or else this lady's, you know, I don't know, a liar, crazy, whatever you want to say. Actually, easily suggestible. Your therapist is like, hey, do you think you ever uh, were raped at a satanic sex ritual? And you're like, well, I don't think so, but let me think about it. Huh, yeah, maybe. There's a story from, I don't know, not just a few years ago, before TikToks, I think it was YouTube, where a bunch of girls started getting Tourette's in Germany, and eventually they figured it out. There was a YouTuber who had Tourette's and made a lot of videos about their Tourette's, and the girls liked the videos, they watched the videos, and then they started getting the same Tourette's. Like, normally every Tourette's person has their own style of tics and words or whatever, but these girls would, you know, they'd be taken to the clinic and they'd all have the same tics and the same words. And then they're like, and they, they could, and they were kind of untreatable. It's like, what can you do? You can't treat them. And then they're like, oh, you tell them that they're just copying this YouTuber. And a lot of them are like, instantly, you know, right there on the spot, instantly cured. Oh, no shit. I guess I don't have Tourette's. And, you know, another thing that you absolutely cannot research because you will get fired from your job uh, is the number of false rape accusations but this kind of stuff makes you wonder but boys versus girls the girls were real excited to become a boy and they're going around telling everyone and it's wonderful and they were happy and then the boys who are going to become a girl are like they thought about it longer before they decided they thought about it they thought about it for a while before they did it and they were not as excited which i can imagine that you know girls think that some girls, a lot of girls, think that boys are better than girls. So they're like, hey, it turns out I'm not a shitty girl. I'm an amazing boy. 
And then I guess boys are like the other way around. They're like, ah, hell, I'm not an amazing boy. I'm a shitty girl. And it seems like these trans kids are also kind of making up memories and a new history of their life. They give an example of a, this is an adult, but some dude, uh, some man decided that he was a woman and he'd been married, you know, been married a long time. And then he started creating basically a new, a new history of him, how he always was a girl and blah, blah, blah. And these things that happened to him. And his wife, who was there for all the stuff and had like pictures from the vacation and whatnot, was like, those things ain't true. Like, here's photographic evidence that what you're saying is not true. And so this information is coming from the parents of ROGDs. And so, you know, that's the, that's, the que- that's the thing you can ask yourself and answer yourself is, are parents going to be the ones who know about their kids? I guess who's going to remember the past for the kid better? And also, according to the parents, uh, they are these kids are disproportionately have mental illnesses. I mean, gender dysphoria is still in the DSM, which is the Book of Mental Illnesses. And I don't think it says give the kids drugs if they have it. I think it's like, you know, well, I don't know, schizophrenia, they give you, they'll put you on drugs, but it's not ones that are like, yeah, I'm schizophrenic, and this thing will uh, affirm my schizophrenia. So 6.5% of the girls and 13.5% of the boys were autistic, or on the spectrum. And I mentioned something about autism and transgender stuff the other day. It was, it was six times more likely one direction or the other. I can't remember. But uh, this researcher, he thinks that autism is not what's causing it. He thinks that basically people are diagnosing autism like crazy. Kind of like where, you know, everyone had ADHD <laughs> about about eh, about 20 years ago. If you're like, my kid, my kid is acting in a way that I don't like. They're like, oh, that's called ADHD. And I think now it's like, my kid is acting in a way I don't like. They're like, oh, that's autism. And he says, for the girls, uh, depression and anxiety, that's something that goes along with transgender. Although I think, you know, if a therapist doesn't tell you your kid's autistic, the next thing they're going to do is tell you that they're depressed. I mean, if you ask a carpenter what should be done with a nail, he's going to be like, it should be hit with a hammer. If you ask a surgeon what should be done about a medical problem, they're going to be like, surgery. Okay, this is the most interesting part. What if being transgender is just the latest fad in the therapy world? So, you know, just like you write a, you write a book, I think, so what, okay, one of the fads was someone wrote a book about having multiple personalities, and like no one in America, before that book was published, no one in America had multiple personalities. The book comes out, and therapists are like, you know, every therapist was like, I have a I have a client with multiple personalities. And then it was like, oh, you got you only have one client with multiple personalities, you piker. I have three clients with multiple personalities. And then there was the repressed memories of sexual abuse, and I'm sure I'm missing them. I'd like to find a list of these things. But then every kid's got ADHD and then every kid's depressed. Now, every kid is transgender. But instead of, you know, the kid going to the, you know, the, you send your unruly kid to the therapist, 
and they come back with uh, ADHD. Now it's like the kid heard about being transgender on the internet. The therapist is like, I want to have more transgender kids than, you know, than the therapist across the aisle, hallway. And you got yourself a perfect little storm. The kid's like, I want to be transgender. And the therapist's like, I want you to be transgender. I mean, I definitely think it's a fad. But if it's a fad being, I mean, it is. It is being, you know, doctors, therapists, whoever you go to. If you're woke, you're like, I'm saving the life of children. I mean, you know, what could make you feel greater? There's nothing greater in the service of humanity than cutting off a teen girl's tits because she's really a boy i mean talk about i mean you're like a saint and you know how are you going to get out of your woke horseshit you know like you know some republicans said that transgender stuff isn't real so obviously i mean that proves it that proves it right there that's all the proof you need that it is real so the parents who took part in this study um I think about 85% of them were moms and then 15% dads. And they didn't, they don't have a stat for this, but I think mostly it's left-leaning woke moms. Like basically, you know, you're woke, you support transgender people uh, until your daughter comes home and says, oh, by the way, I'm a boy. And then you're like, "Uh, well, I thought this was more of a real thing and I, I thought I was fighting bigotry on the right. But my girl's never been a boy. What's going on here? And I think, you know, moms want to get up in their daughter's business more than dads. And also, I think if you're a dad, you know, it's like it's like that thing where you can <laughs> in the movies where girls get out of class, they they tell the male teacher, "Oh, it's that time of the month, right?" And they can just leave and do whatever they want. And the male teacher's like, uh, I don't know anything about that. I don't want to hear anything about that. You can, you can leave, you know, come back on your own time, do whatever the hell you want. I would think the dads are kind of like that too. They're like, well, I'm not a girl. I don't know what it's like to be a girl who wants to be a boy. We'll just, we'll just put you in charge of yourself there. Or I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay the hell out of it and let the mom deal with it. And they say that there was a larger drop off in the quality of the relationship between the child and the mom than there was between the child and the dad. Now they did ask for race and it was 80% whites, white, these are parents, so 80% white parents, um, 3% Asian parents, 1% indigenous parents, and less than 1% black parents. I mean, I think partly that's because their kids are not turning trans nearly as much, you know, various uh, races. I don't think, you know, I, I think I did see, a, I think I looked that up and they have a stat on black girls turning trans. The answer is not like white girls. But also, if you're a black mom of a rapid onset trans girl, um, you may not feel like going on a website with a bunch of woke white women and commiserating but the researcher says it's not race it's you know if you're a rich progressive you know if you're if you're a rich woke person then you're going to be going to this website 
And then, you know, what, what, that just means that you get white people because that's who is rich and woke. They don't give the stats, but they did try and figure out how, how, you know, how many of the parents were progressive versus conservative. And they were more progressive. More of them were progressive. Don't know exactly how much more. So what's going on in the anti-woke fight against Disney? Not as much, but the trailer for the Marvels, you know, was going to be called Captain Marvel 2 came out. I would say it looks all right. Doesn't look great. Doesn't look terrible. I mean, trailers generally look good and then the movie's terrible. So who knows? But I guess the interesting part of it, there was no, there was not a single white male in the trailer. They didn't show who the villain is, so I'm pretty sure that'll be a white male. But anyways, in the trailer, you had black women and black men, and you had white women, because that's Captain Marvel. Uh, you had a lot of Muslim people. Anyways, no white men. And that movie is it's on three reshoots, major, and I think five times or something, the date, the release date has been pushed back, none of which is good signs. It says that the movie is going to cost a ton of money and may and therefore may lose a lot of money. you got to spend a lot to lose a lot. And so similar to how Jonathan Majors, the big bad villain who was going to tie all the Marvel Universe together by everyone fighting him, and then it, and it turned out he's quite possibly uh, beaten his girlfriend, and now Disney doesn't know if they want to keep going with him. And his TV show, Loki, or where he's in, uh, is supposed to come out real soon. I think they pushed it back a little bit to hold off and think but anyways one of the actors in the marvels uh mohan kapoor an indian actor he plays the dad of one of the yeah ms marvel has three captain marvels or ms marvels or mrs miss miss whatever marvels latinx marvel birthing person marvel anyways if someone who said when she was 15 uh, this Kapoor guy was sending her dick pics. And they've already made the movie, and he's in it. Basically, I don't want men to abuse women, but I do like how Disney somehow keeps picking men of color, and then the next thing we learn is, oh, there are women abusers. It keeps Disney on its toes. I like it. Netflix is getting a little woke, too. Sometimes they do anti-woke stuff like Dave Chappelle. But anyways, they've got... They've partnered up with Jada Pinkett Smith, and they're doing some sort of documentary, docu-series on Queens. I've only heard of the first installment, which is Queen Cleopatra. And it's one of those documentaries where they interview professors and then have clips of, you know, made-up reenactments of what happened. And anyways, in this show, Cleopatra is black. And I think there's a decent number of people out there who think that Cleopatra is black, People confuse African with black. And they also confuse living in Africa with black. But in real life, Cleopatra was Greek, so darker than me, but she wasn't no black. And she might have had, I mean, this is a long time ago, she might have had some Persian in her, so she might have been half white and half, you know, Princess Jasmine. I guess she was Macedonian. If you do a Google image search for Macedonian girl, you do not get dark-skinned people back. But she is the queen of Egypt, which is in Africa, but that's not the black part of Africa. I think that's where people get confused or feel like they have the license to make stuff up. And there's, you, you can watch the trailer on YouTube, and they got some old 
black lady who's an expert on something. And she's like, when I was a little girl, my mama told me, don't ever let anyone tell you that Cleopatra wasn't black. So I guess her being an expert on the blackness of Cleopatra started when she was a kid. You know, this isn't like, I did a bunch of research and I went to school type of experts. HBO Max, which is now called Max, is going to come up with a Harry Potter TV show where each of the seven books gets a season. And we don't know anything yet. But I imagine it's going to be very diverse. I mean, HBO Max has kind of been anti-woke. I don't think they'll be able to keep it up here. And then Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling has been kind of outspoken of saying that, you know, men are not women. And so maybe they won't go super diverse and they won't have a bunch of trans people. Or I think more likely they're going to make up for their criticism of diversity and trans people and add a whole bunch of that stuff. And apparently there's a Harry Potter play, and they made Hermione black, so that's probably the first place to go. And it looks like uh, Gavin Newsom, governor of California, is about to get to pick a senator, because their senators, current one of their current senators, Dianne Feinstein, has dementia. And it's funny, so he said he's going to pick a black woman if he gets to pick. Joe Biden did the same thing for the Supreme Court. He said before his pick, I'm going to pick a black woman. And it's interesting, right? They're not like, I mean, I think this is how it goes. You don't say, oh, I'm going to pick a black person. Because then someone will be like, what about women? And you can't say, well, I'm going to pick a woman. Because they'll be like, what about black people? So you just cut them off at the pass and you say, I'm going to pick a black woman. Ha! The Super Mario Brothers movie has made roughly $700 million in about two weeks, which is really good. Universal Studios Animation, which made it. They did other things like the Minions movies. Um, they've now beaten Disney three years in a row. And I get my box office information from Grace Randolph beyond the trailer on YouTube. And she's woke, and she did not like Super Mario Brothers. The same thing with a lot of critics. And her reason was that so, you know, there's Mario, Bowser is the bad guy, and there's Princess Peach. And she said basically the whole movie is about who gets to date Princess Peach. So that pissed her off. And according to Grace Randolph, there is a little bit of woke versus anti-woke going on. Like the last movie was Top Gun Maverick, where people who hated Disney were like, we need to make sure Top Gun Maverick makes a ton of money. And then, you know... Every Disney movie is like, we need to not go to that. And so, I don't know. I haven't, I don't see any polls or something or proof. But, uh, but anyways, maybe every dollar that Super Mario Brothers makes is a little bit of a poke in the eye at Disney and wokeness. And then for some reason, Super Mario Brothers got, got like a whole month where there's no other big blockbusters coming out. The next one is Disney Guardians of the Galaxy 3 which is not tracking well. Uh, it's projected to not make a ton of money. We'll see on that one. So that's two more weeks away. And the other movies this week, nothing too crazy going on. Um, what was it? The, the the Pope's Exorcist was number two. I looked that up. It's not a Christian movie. It would have been very interesting if that was like a Christian movie, but I think it's just a horror movie. And then John Wick 4 was third, and it made... I don't know. People thought that John Wick 4 was going to blow away John Wick 3. It cost twice as much to make, 
and it looks like it may end up making about the same amount of money. So it's a success, but it's not the success that people were thinking. And then Dungeons and Dragons has just tanked. Like I love Dungeons and Dragons, not the movie, although I want to see it from playing it as a kid, but that movie was so damn diverse that uh, I think that would have been a, a win for wokeness if Dungeons and Dragons had done better. So, I don't know. The glass is uh, half something for me. It's a subject matter and apparently a great movie about Dungeons and Dragons, which is good. And then, or maybe it's, it's half full in both ways, but woke people get a poke in the eye on that one too. And Super Mario Brothers has a few more... Um, milestones to get past if you get to a billion dollars then you're considered a huge hit if it can get up to 1.4 billion dollars it'll beat frozen 2 which is the currently the most successful animated movie also a disney movie and if it can get to 1.5 billion then it'll be in the top 10 ever and i guess as a, to go back a little bit top gun maverick was made in 2019 before George Floyd was murdered even though it was released years later and so that was how that one ended up being not woke I mean I'm sure it would have been woke as hell otherwise and then Super Mario Brothers Nintendo was able to put in their two cents and they said make it like the game and for whatever reason and you know video Japanese video games and anime and blah blah it's all white people Japan is not trying to lift up. They're not trying to make up for American slavery. Let's put it that way. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And thanks for listening.